it's it's a beautiful career working in a law firm and working in the city uh, if that's what you aspire to as you're listening to us go ahead it's a beautiful thing to do however you do have to learn quite early on that it is a priority to look after your wellness in a proactive and active manner Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place with them. Through the University of Law's pro bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm a LPC student and future trainee solicitor. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Charlene Giselle. Charlene is a former high-flying London lawyer who is now a coach consultant in the health and wellness field. Charlene has been featured in a plethora of well-known publications such as Lawyer Monthly, Women in Home, Women's Fitness, Stylist Magazine, The Guardian, and The Metro, to name just a few. So we're really excited to welcome Charlene onto the show today to discuss her career journey from lawyer to coach consultant and to hear her expert advice on how we as future lawyers can look after our well-being. So welcome to the show, Charlene. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much, Camilla. I'm really honoured to be on this podcast and really honoured to talk to you today. Thank you so much. So as a, as a bit of an icebreaker, just to find out a bit more about you, would you mind giving our listeners an overview of your career history to date? With pleasure. So I started off in a way that perhaps wasn't very original in the sense that I wanted to be a lawyer from as far back as I can remember. I was one of those little girls that just dreamt about being a lawyer. (laughs) Um, And I grew up to become one. I went to the States to do my international baccalaureate. And then I studied in Cambridge for my law degree. And then I did my dublometries um, to be a French qualified dual lawyer in Paris. And then I came back to London to do my LPC, just as you are. And then I started my training contract and became a litigator. So it was a very, very driven path. It was something that I was passionate about. I dreamt to be a lawyer and I couldn't be happier when I became one. And perhaps that was also one of the contributors of my going, you know, all out and working so hard is because I genuinely was so happy to finally become a lawyer. 
that's that's such an interesting story um and yeah it does sound like you've had a really kind of exciting journey into law so I know that most people well perhaps people like myself going into law have heard that it can be an intense career in terms of hours and pressure but might not know exactly what they're getting themselves into yet because you you know you hear it's intense but what does that actually mean um so maybe you could share your experience of what it was like when you were working as a solicitor Yes, absolutely. Um, my experience is based on the experience of someone working at an American law firm in the city of London in the litigation department. So, you know, every experience is subject to the law firm that you join, the department that you join, the people you work with, your seniority level and the culture of the firm too. I would say though that in general, city law firms will tend to have higher billable hours target than if you work in perhaps regional law firm. And equally, if you're working at American law firm, you tend to find as well that there is a higher billable target culture than in some uh, British law firm. But it really varies firm to firm. I wanted to work as hard as I could because I was thrilled and I wanted to learn as many new skills as possible and work with the biggest client and work with the biggest law firms. So it was a choice that I made. And it was very intense. And the reason I say that is not to put anyone off because I think there is a lot of glory to be found in being able to work in one of those firms. And if I had to do it, I would do it all over again in the exact same way. I learned so much. It was a fast track to my career progression in the sense that within you know four years at that firm, I probably got exposed to uh, clients quality and cases and litigation matter that I would have maybe not never experienced in working at another law firm. So overall, I'm really grateful for the experience, but the way I did it wasn't sustainable. I really burned the candle at both ends. I didn't really take care of my wellness. I didn't prioritize my basic need. And I went all in in the sense of working around the clock. I worked very late. I worked weekends. And I really don't point fingers in the sense of, you know, blaming a law firm or blaming a team, because I think ultimately it is up to the individual to set strong boundaries. But I, I was genuinely so thrilled to do that work because I was passionate and driven and interested. So I thought I could do it. You know, I thought I had some invisible cape on and I was some kind of superwoman that didn't need sleep. (laughs) I can certainly relate to that a little bit. I've done some of the things in the past and I, I know what you mean. And I think you sometimes can just kind of go 100 miles an hour and then you don't realize that actually you've been depleting your fuel tank um faster than than perhaps you might think so so why did well when did you decide to change careers and go into consulting and and why was that there is um a series of catalysts and events in my personal and professional life uh my dad who was my inspiration for becoming a lawyer in the first place suffered from a very severe stroke and heart attack uh both induced by career burnout and stress and chronic cumulative stress throughout his career. And that was a real eye-opener for me because he was my role model and my hero, so to speak. And to see him so fragile and facing death at such an early age 
was really something that made me wonder, you know, is it is it worth it? In the sense of I've I, I saw him all his life, work all those hours, and I was effectively, you know, stepping into daddy's footsteps and mimicking what I thought to be the right path. But you know, he was in every other aspect of his life healthy. And when that happened, I just my whole world shattered. And I wondered you know, what was the point if, if my life could end so abruptly? Um, it really scared me. And I faced my own burned out as well. Um, after about five years into law, I um, was suffering from panic attacks, insomnia, um, lower back pain, chronic pains and aches, and just general heightened anxiety. I was getting very emotionally involved in the cases that I was working on. And I don't think that I found a way to disconnect in a healthy way. And I'm not saying it's impossible, but I didn't know how to do it. And I wish back then that I had someone to teach me how. And that's where the idea uh, sort of flourished in my head. You know, could I be the coach that I wish I had so that I could have done what I wish I could have done, but for longer? Is there a way I could become an ambassador for a sustainable career in law? Because I burnt out and I'm happy for my story to be used as a cautionary tale, but I thought perhaps I could be on a mission to help other lawyers not burn out the way I did. I think that's such an important thing for you, for you to be doing uh, and really amazing that, that you did make that change. Um, so could you give us an insight into the types of clients that you work with now in your consulting business? Absolutely. Well, interestingly enough, some of my prior clients have been uh, lawyers that I've worked with in my private life, <laughs> in my uh, previous <laughs> Legal life, I meant. Sorry, um, so it's it's been just a very interesting journey to see how I went from you know working in the law firm to working as a consultant with lawyers that I used to work with um, in my previous legal career, and I also work with law firms, uh, boutique law firms that roll out wellness program. I work with partners, associates, trainees, but I also work with law students, and I've also worked with different companies that are outside the legal world, but in the corporate sort of working hard culture. So I've worked with fintechs, I've worked with investment banks and other various startups that wanted to roll out a wellness program for their employees. So a very broad range of, of clients then. Yes, they do all have one thing in common is that they're passionate about what they do and they want to learn how to do it sustainably. <laughs> so typically my clients are very driven, very passionate about their career and they do want to learn a blueprint to be able to maintain a work-life balance. Although I know it's a bit of a cliche, this aspiration to have it all, you know, the work-life balance. I really do think that it's important to mention that it's attainable. You can have both if you have the right tools, techniques, and strategies. And I think more and more people are seeking that work-life balance. And that kind of brings me on to my next question, which is the fact that since the pandemic, really, we've been witnessing what's been coined as the great resignation, where people seem to be more focused on prioritizing job satisfaction. Um, and it employers also seem to be more aware of a need to prioritize their employee well-being with things like fle flexible working 
Um, has this had an impact? And if so, what sort of impact has this had on your business over the past couple of years? Absolutely. It was The consultancy is busier than ever. Um, and the reason for that is actually because health was suddenly put on everybody's radar. See, back when I was uh, starting up the consultancy and the idea was born was in 2018, pre-pandemic. Yeah. So um, I was effectively one of the odd one out in the sense that I was becoming a digital nomad. I set up a, a business that was 80% online, only 20% in person. And back in those days, that was a bit unusual. And I was putting health and mental health at the forefront of everything that I did, which had a lot of taboos attached to it and was just simply not a priority in the culture uh, of law firms and, and corporate world, but also just with society at large. Post-pandemic, however, it seems that everybody is more concerned about their metabolic health and their immunity because they had to learn a hard way what could be the negative impact of not being in the best possible health. So suddenly everyone is a bit more concerned about how they can improve their health and wellness. And it means that both companies and employees gravitate towards solution to enable them to learn tools and techniques to be uh, overall healthier. And so do you think the legal profession is becoming better now um, post-pandemic or since you started your consultancy in terms of the work-life balance or do you think that more work is still required and if so what do you think that law firms could be doing to improve? Yeah, I think that's such an important and such a great question. And I've noticed a very powerful shift. So now law firms are more and more willing to hire external wellness consultants and to really appreciate the benefits of having a wellness program De delivered within the law firm. Back in my days when I was working as a litigator, I remember my firm providing us gym membership or discounts or healthy food option at the canteen or even maybe lunchtime yoga, but there was no wellness program per se. There was not a wellness consultant that would come in and give us wellness program on a quarterly basis with tools to integrate and implement techniques that were specifically designed for lawyers and crafted by a lawyer. It was something that I didn't get provided with. I'm not saying that no one did it back in the days, but it definitely wasn't as popular as it is now. And the title was that was given to me by many law firms that I work with, such as, you know, being a burnout advisor. I think it's a fairly new title. Um, and it did make me giggle a little bit when I first was, you know, named that because it's a 360 story, right? I, I became a burnout advisor because of my own burnout and because I had to learn the hard way, the tools and techniques to overcome and recover from my burnout. I was then able to share those with all the lawyers that I work with and all the law firms that I work with. I don't remember uh, hearing the term burnout advisor, advisor back in 2012 or 13 or 14. I don't even know that it was a thing. And I think there was still so much taboo attached to burnout. Yeah, I can definitely imagine. I think things have come a long way since 2012 that you know, I can imagine. Um, and I think it's so important that you've had the experience, you've been a solicitor and you, you can now teach them the tools because you really do understand what it's like. Um, and so what advice would you have for our listeners 
who are predominantly law students and graduates who are just starting out in their careers and know that they'll have to work hard but don't want to lose their health and happiness along the way um, when trying to succeed in their career in law what, what advice would you have for them thank you for asking this I think it's such a great question to ask because I really want to be an ambassador for the message that you can have it all I think it's important not to discourage students and I'm actually very passionate about that topic because it's it's a beautiful career working in a law firm and working in the city, uh, if that's what you aspire to as you're listening to us, go ahead. It's a beautiful thing to do. However, you do have to learn quite early on that it is a priority to look after your wellness in a proactive and active manner. So what I mean by that is, you know, neglecting sleep chronically, neglecting nutritious food, neglecting daily movement, neglecting being able to switch off might seem like a good idea while you're doing what you do because you think you might do everything that you're doing faster. And that's what I thought. But the problem with those strategies is although you might achieve what you want to achieve sooner, you may not be able to do it sustainably. So I think, you know, post-pandemic now, we talk a lot about sustainability in vis-a-vis the environment, vis-a-vis the planet, but the message I want to pass on to your audience and everyone listening is, you know, what is sustainable law to you? What does that mean to you? How can you do what you do, but in the long term? And perhaps think of yourself not so much as a sprint runner, which is what I thought I was, but think of yourself as a marathon runner because your career in law is a marathon and you really need to play the long-term game. And it will be a competitive advantage to the advancement of your career if early on you learn that your physiology, your biology, your basic needs in terms of your body um, will have an impact on either the make or break of your long-term career. So for instance, when I now work with partners that got to what you could call the top of the pyramids, you know, the pinnacle of where you want to be when you're working in a law firm. And I work with senior partner, but then they suddenly have a very morbid diagnosis. You know, they get a diagnosis with uh, cancer or they have a cardiovascular incident or they have a metabolic serious condition or they have a nervous breakdown or they face depression. Well, how do you then juggle the powerful position of being a senior partner with having such a personal health crisis? See, one thing is going to have to give. Whereas if you, from the beginning of the career, implement strategies so that you can look after your health while doing what you love to do and play the long-term game, you're a lot less likely to be facing those very serious diagnosis uh, later on in life. Of course, I'm not saying that's a magic pill to swallow and that there is an absolute, uh, you know, 100% prevention guaranteed. But if you do take care of your body, the likelihood of you facing very serious conditions later on are minimized. Before we get into the second half of the episode, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about the sponsors of today's show and the law school that I chose to study my LPC at, and that's the University of Law. The University of Law believes in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. 
Their experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life experience from the start. They offer a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment-focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. I think it's so important to think about prevention rather than cure. So uh, we've touched on this a little bit, but what are the, what do you think the most common wellness issues that you experience in the legal sector are and, and what can lawyers and future lawyers do to prevent that burnout? I'm so glad you've asked this. And this is something that really is close to my heart because I face those. Um, So the number one is lack of movement. As lawyers, we spend so much time on our screen and it's a profession that is quite desk bound. Um, So we do work a lot with, you know, writing and conference calls and a lot of those um, tasks throughout the day involve desk time. That's not a bad thing per se. However, it can become dangerous if you don't have a strategy whereby you make sure that you move every day. So what I typically see when I start working with my lawyer client is either there are two broad categories. Of course, I'm I'm generalizing here a little bit. So you would have category A of lawyer that would go, I don't work out at all and I don't move at all. And when I look at their step counts, Throughout the day, it's literally between the computer and the coffee machine, and then from the coffee machine to the computer, and then computer to the taxi, taxi to home. Mm-hmm. And it, it can really have very dangerous uh, negative uh, impact later on. And I, I belonged in that category at some point in my career. And then there is another type B of lawyer, which would be I actually am a bit of a gym rat and I go and I hit the gym super hard and I'm going to go on my treadmill and I'm going to go all out for five to 45 minutes and sweat as much as I can, as often as I can, and just play it as hard as I do it for my career. Now, I've been there too. I've done, I've done, I've done it all wrong. I've, I've been there. I can <laughs> raise my hand and, and say it quite vulnerably now. The issue with that one is that you are triggering your cortisol hormone, your stress hormone, because effectively you're stressing out at work all the time, not in a eustress beneficial kind of way, but more in a distress kind of way. And then you go to the gym and you do it really hard and really intense as opposed to doing more holistic movement that will release some tension. So I'm not saying running or treadmills are bad. They're fantastic. I run three times a week, but it's about having a balance between hitting it hard and doing it softly. It's about bringing a bit of softness into your daily routine. And it doesn't have to be yoga. I know not everybody's into that, but it could be, you know, slow walking through the forest that we with your loved one, your spouses, your pets, your family, your children, your friends. It could be making sure that every day you walk 10,000 steps in a very slow manner, just perhaps on your next conference call, instead of taking it in front of the computer, you could take it outside and go for a little walk around the building. Or it could be going for a swim. See those 
slower, gentler activities actually have a positive impact on the nervous system because it will switch on the parasympathetic, the rest and digest nervous system, and will take you out of the fight and flight zone and into the rest and digest zone. Typically, when I work with my lawyer clients, I notice that they're constantly in fight or flight. And although fight and flight can be great to generate, you know, focus and generate quick response is not a state that you can be in 14 hours a day. That's not sustainable. I really relate to a lot of what you just said there, especially with the gym workouts. And you know. <laughs> I saw your giggle. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I do at the gym is hit uphill sprints, all that kind of crazy stuff. So I think, I think it's really important for you to share that message that actually that's not always going to be good for you and to do something that's a bit more relaxing that's not going to spike your cortisol and that's definitely something that I'm going to be implementing going forward so thank you so much for sharing that um so in your experience how does looking after your well-being actually affect your productivity Hmm. such a good question Camilla thanks for asking well it it just goes hand in hand right health and productivity really do uh one of the things that I was terrible at was sleep management I was a complete night owl and I would stay up very very late um and I sacrificed my sleep for many, many years. Now, that is not something that can be done in the long term because it will affect your metabolism in the worst possible way. So one of the first things that I would say to our listener, to your audience today is as childish or childlike as it may sound, try to have a bedtime. And I, I know that you have a lot of work and I know that you might sometimes need to be in the office until midnight or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. I, I hear that. I'm not dismissing uh, how much work has to be done. However, you can still implement bedtime strategies, meaning if you are working until midnight and that's bound to happen and that's you know part and parcel of what being a top lawyer involves sometimes, just make sure then when you get home, you don't also go onto a screen. So many of my clients go home at 1 or 2 a.m. and then they put a movie on or a TV series to fall asleep, to distract them. They tell me they need a distraction. But guess what? That's you spending an extra two hours on another screen when you've already been staring at that screen for 14 hours today. That is not a sustainable strategy. Your brain needs to switch off from the blue light the artificial light that comes out of that screen, whichever time you go home, I don't want to be prescriptive because I know what, uh, you know, being a lawyer involves in terms of working hours. However late it is, switch off that screen, switch off the phone, don't check your stories, don't check your message, don't go on LinkedIn at least two hours before you go to bed. Do it before by all means and do what you need to do, but build a sleep hygiene routine whereby you rest your eyes. If you must be on a screen two hours before you intend to fall asleep, which happens to me sometimes too as I work with the US and I have late night clients, then you need to put uh, red glasses on, blue blockers. It's a biohacking tool that involves protecting your eyes from the artificial blue light, and it can make a tremendous amount of a difference. Because you see, when you have blue light coming into your eyes, your sleep hormone don't get switched on. 
and actually prevents you from having natural induced melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. Whereas when you dim the light down or you see more of an orange light, you will produce melatonin. And if you think about it in terms of how we evolved as human, it makes sense biologically because we would go to sleep when the sun went down and we would you know, tell a story around the fire and that's that deemed orange light was a signal for us to be preparing ourselves for sleep. We were not evolved to be exposed to blue artificial light. And so this is really, really um, something to mitigate and to change if you want to have a better sleep routine. Most of my clients struggle with sleep and insomnia and anxiety at night. And a lot has to do with light exposure. That's really interesting, actually, because I've, I've heard of those blue light glasses, but I didn't really know much about how they work. Is, is that what they are, the blue light glasses or, or red glasses? Yeah, so you just need to be a little careful of the quality of the glasses okay. that you like. I personally love using uh, the ones from Red Light Rising, and I'm happy to share the link if you want. Yeah, that would be really so good. That would be uh, they are a UK company and they just block out completely and you can test them. So if anyone is listening to this podcast and hasn't um, gotten that brand, there is a very nice way to test whether they're blue blocking. Just look at a screen that has blue light and check whether or not you can still see the blue light. If you can, then they're not completely blue blocking. So they should have an amber to orange to red color. Um, I wear them absolutely systematically when I'm traveling. I travel still despite the pandemic quite a lot because I'm a digital nomad. So whenever I am in an airport, I stick those on. I know they're a funny look, but you know it's what keeps my eyes healthy. And it's not just your sleep that is going to be improved. It's your actual eye health, which is also very important. A lot of my clients suffer from migraine or chronic headaches. And 80% of the time, headaches and migraine actually stem from uh, tired eyes. Yes, that's so interesting. Please do share the link and I'll, I'll leave it in the description box for the podcast to anyone who wants to go and pick that up. Um, so who do you think would benefit from having a well-being coach in their lives? So I'm going to ask you a question in return to address yeah. that question. Who wouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> and the reason for that is... I'll, I'll draw a little parallel, I'll tell you a little story. If we think about, you know, the Olympics as they were on TV just a few weeks ago and we spent all of our summer watching the Olympians and we think about athletes, how do we think they reach peak performance? They get coached. Yeah. Every single person that has ever gotten a gold medal has had a coach behind them. And the reason I draw this comparison is because lawyers are Olympian of the law, you know, becoming a partner, making partnership, becoming an associate, getting a training contract. Those are gold medals in the legal industry. Um, getting your seat in the department that you want, getting through law school, graduating, getting your LPC, getting a training contract, whichever stages, those are all gold medals. So we need to know, learn how to train for those in the same way that athletes need training and need coaching to get them through the finishing line. So do lawyers. And that's really my mission is to be the coach that I wish I had. And I am 100% sure that had I been coached when I was a litigator, I would still be a litigator today. 
because I loved what I did so very much. I just did it in a way that was not sustainable and it put me off because I hit that wall and I burnt out so badly. But I don't think that it has to be the fate of anyone that is listening. I really want to be the ambassador for the message. Don't quit your job or don't be put off by the legal industry. Just know that it's a tough industry to thrive in, but it is doable if you implement tools and techniques early on and think of yourself as an athlete and realize that you need coaching just like any athlete do. And that's a really good point, actually. And if you think about it, athletes use their bodies, you know, their legs to to run races. And lawyers are actually using their mind as well as their body, but their their mind. I'm I'm sure athletes do that as well. But you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> there's, a, there's a big emphasis on using your brain as a lawyer. So looking after that in addition to your body is very important. I agree. I I love that you said that, Camilla, and you'd be surprised how many lawyers I train and how many law firms I work with. And I start talking about the different brain waves and the different activities in the brain. And I'm talking to some of the best educated people in the industry, having gone to top law school, and I included myself in this, and who didn't know the basic biology of their body, who didn't know how the brain works, so to speak. So they have this extraordinary mind and this extraordinary intellectual capacities and abilities, but they do not know the basic things about how their body works and how to look after their physiology. I had no idea that we had different brain waves and that you couldn't always be in the same brain wave throughout the day, otherwise you're facing exhaustion. I didn't know about circadian rhythm. I didn't know about the ultradian rhythm. I've learned all those neuroscientific tools and techniques so that I could effectively manage my brain in an optimal manner. Just like, as you said, an athlete will learn that if they had an injury, they need to recover with physio, with an osteopath. And also an athlete will not do a leg day and an arm day on the same day. They rest and they recover and they release. Why do we think that lawyers who use this extraordinary brain of them all day long don't need rest and release? They do just like an athlete does. You know, if you twist your ankle, you're not going to be able to get your best jump. If you twist your brain and you get into burnout the way I did, you're not going to be able to be the best lawyer that you can be. And this is perhaps for some lawyers or for some law firms might come across as a bit fluffy or a bit woo-woo. But if we look at the science behind it, neuroscientists have studied the brain, have studied metabolism, have studied how to look after your biology better. It really is um, hard evidence in science that those tools and techniques really improve your health and are a competitive advantage to the advancement of your career. Thank you so much for sharing all the tips um, and information. It's been such an interesting episode. Um, And just before I let you go, would you mind letting us know how we can connect with you and learn more about your work? Well, thank you. Well, my website, www.charlengisel.com. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and Instagram. And uh, I have free resources as well to download. So I have ebooks and I have uh, recordings for anyone that needs a little rest and release at home. Or otherwise, you can just uh, jump on a call and um, just book a quick coffee with me. I'll be very happy to have a chat and hear about how you're doing today. 
<laughs> Wonderful. I'm going to leave all of the resources that you've mentioned, links to those in the description box of the podcast. So anyone who's listening and wants to learn a bit more about your work or, or connect to you can do that very easily. Um, but yeah, thanks again, Charlene, for coming onto the show. It's been so great to have you here. Likewise, Kimala, thank you for inviting me and good luck with your career. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place. Through the University of Law's pro bono program, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. The University of Law will help you reach your ambitions by delivering an outstanding academic and employment focused experience honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. As soon as you begin your studies with ULaw, you'll learn how to think and act like a lawyer. Whether your aspirations are in law or other fields, their courses will balance academic rigor and practical skills so your career starts from day one. To find out more about the courses they have on offer, just click the link in the description box of the podcast. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.